last week on the Joes on the Pros podcast. I'm taking the Dallas Cowboys because, number one, I think that their secondary is better than Philadelphia. They have a better running game with Ezekiel Elliott than Philadelphia. I still think Kansas City is angry. They've lost two straight, and they're going to put it on the Denver Broncos. The Colts will host the Texans next Sunday. That's going to be a big game. That's going to be four deciding factors for the lead right now in the AFC South. If Indianapolis can get pressure on Deshaun Watson and that secondary in Houston isn't playing as well, then I definitely think the Colts have an opportunity. You are now tuning in to the Joes on the Pros podcast with your host, Junie Riddle and Casey Warner, covering all the latest topics in today's sports. Another great weekend of football that we had. This is the Joes on the Pros podcast, episode number seven. And we got a lot of great content this week, Casey. What do you say? Are you ready to get started with this one? I'm ready, Freddie. Let's go. All right, let's get into it. Let's talk about America's game of the week, and that was Ravens-Seahawks. The Baltimore Ravens looked really, really impressive getting a huge win against the 12th man there in Seattle, which is a really tough thing to do. Historically, a lot of teams have struggled when they go to Seattle, but it really seemed like the Ravens didn't skip a beat. That running game looked as good as ever, and I got to tell you, Baltimore's looking really impressive there in the AFC, Casey. What did you get from that game? Well, I'll tell you what, this was kind of an odd game in that the Ravens' offense really wasn't even that efficient. Interesting numbers here. The Ravens had 199 rushing yards to the Seahawks, 106. Lamar Jackson was 9 of 20, 143 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions in the air. So it's it's kind of interesting here. What I take from this game is just we're seeing the league evolve, man. You know, a lot of people think that these running quarterbacks don't have a place in the league, and these running quarterbacks, you know, they're going to get hurt. They're going to get themselves killed out there as much as they run. Lamar Jackson is changing that completely. He went out there. He had a great, efficient game running the ball. Didn't do much in the air. Didn't need to. That defense looked great. They got three field goals from Justin Tucker. He's automatic out there. Has not missed a field goal the whole season. And the Ravens are just completely changing this narrative that you have to have a passing offense in this league with Lamar Jackson coming out there and just being efficient with the ball, not turning it over. Now, we also talked about last week the whole Marcus Peters going into uh, Baltimore, going from your L.A. Rams in that trade that happened early last week. Now, he was a difference maker in this game, getting that interception, causing Russell Wilson to have his first pick of the season that ended up being six points. And really was a, it, you know, it turned the tide of the game. Uh, if, if you were watching the game there in the second quarter, right before halftime, it gave the Ravens the lead. It gave them the momentum and it kind of showed the Seahawks that, hey, this isn't going to be an easy game for you guys. So I got to tell you, Casey, man, that that was a really defining moment for me. And that Ravens defense really put the Seattle Seahawks uh, offense, which hasn't skipped a beat this season, in their place. And I got to tell you, we talked about this last week. Um, that Seattle defense isn't going to hold people down. So especially when you get a defense like Baltimore holding down Seattle uh, like they did, you know, that like they just can't compete in games if that offense isn't putting out, uh, you know, the numbers that they usually are. What you got to do here is if you're the Ravens, coming into this game, they knew they had to shut down that MVP candidate in Russell Wilson, and that's exactly what they did. Russell Wilson held his own out there. He didn't look terrible. He had one interception, but he was 20 of 41 in the air. The Ravens' defense was just making pass deflections all game, pass disruptions. That pick six you mentioned by Marcus Peters, they love to see that in a trade they just got from the Rams. I mean, the Ravens' D was just efficient out there 
all Sunday long, and that's what you have to do against such a dangerous playmaker like Russell Wilson. We mentioned Russell Wilson only had one interception. Now, he was still able to drive the Seahawks down the field a little bit, but overall, he just couldn't get it done. They had two turnovers overall to the Ravens' zero. The Ravens were efficient out there, and I'll tell you what, if the Ravens keep playing like this, they could be one of the best teams in the league. The Ravens got a bye week coming up, great week for a bye week, heading 5-2 and two on top of that AFC North, and then they got New England in two weeks. So that's really going to be the measuring stick for this Baltimore Ravens team. We're really going to see if they're a class team in the AFC. Cannot wait for that matchup against New England in two weeks. Now, if you had to say it right now, do you think the Baltimore Ravens are going to be a contender in the AFC right now? After this past week against the Seahawks in Seattle with that 12th man, definitely so. I think I'm going to have to pump the brakes on that, Casey, dude. Baltimore has shown out against weaker competition, especially against teams that have worse defenses. We are going to see what they are made of when they play teams like the New England Patriots and good defenses like that later on. Also, I mean, you got to think about this, Casey. Lamar Jackson cannot win playoff games like this if he's only completing nine passes and completing under 50% of his passes. Like, it's just it's just not going to work. I mean, I, I get it. Like, his running game and his dynamics are, are working in the league. And, yes, he can probably have a sustainable career, you know, playing the way he is. But when it comes down to winning championships and being contenders, I don't see this Baltimore Ravens team being an actual contender. They're going to win games. They're going to beat mediocre teams. They are, you know, they're they're better than mediocre, but I just don't see them taking that next step in being um, in the same class as a team such as New England because that defense would break Lamar Jackson in half, in my opinion. Not necessarily like injure Lamar Jackson, but you know Bill Belichick is going to look at all the film on Lamar, and he's definitely going to break down all of his tendencies, what he's like to do, and he's going to take away what Lamar does best and force him to do what he doesn't do well. And when it comes to the playoffs and being a contender, I just don't see the Ravens uh, being in that class right now. Interesting stat on Lamar Jackson. I saw earlier today there was a graphic that said Lamar Jackson sits at around 575 rushing yards already on the season now, and that's just as much or more as eight other teams in the NFL right now. He is absolutely killing it out there, taking the ball in his own hands, being able to scramble. That ability that we talked about in our preseason predictions – I remember I said in the preseason predictions he would only run for 500 or 600 on the whole year. He's completely proved me wrong on that aspect. He's been completely smart with that ball. I said I remember last year when he was first a starter over Joe Flacco that I thought he was going to get killed. I thought he was going to get beat up. I thought he was going to get hit. I thought he was just going to be another RG3. But he has completely taken that the other way on my on my side of that story, and he is making that look Like, that is his job as the Ravens quarterback to run the ball efficiently, to make that offense move in any aspect he can, whether it's running, passing. He didn't even need to pass this week. Very efficient with that ball. Love what I'm seeing from Lamar. And props to uh, John Harbaugh for putting him in situations that he's going to be successful in. I mean, it takes a good coach in order to put a player, see what that player's intangibles are, and place them into a system that, you know, is going to help them be successful. Uh, so, you know, props to John Harbaugh and the Ravens for, uh, you know, putting him in those situations. But like I said, I just don't think it's going to be enough against, you know, some of the elite defenses that we have in the NFL. 
We will now move on to another game that was eye-popping this week in the NFL. Houston went to Indianapolis. They were at 4-2 and two in that game. Indianapolis was at 3-2. and two, Huge AFC South division class. They went in there and they lost to the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts win that one 30-23. Colts move to 4-2. and two. Houston drops to 4-3. and three. Indianapolis now has first place in their hands in the AFC South. That was a great game, a good smash-mouth game. What they needed to do in that game was shut down Deshaun Watson, and that they did. He still had 300 passing yards, but they made him turn the ball over, and they looked good out there, Junie. Do you think the Colts are for real, for real now? They're the top team in the AFC South right now. I think that defense is for real, for real right now. If you want, <laughs> if you want me to put it put it that way, that's not necessarily how I would put it. But uh, yes, yeah, so this Colts defense is definitely for real. Uh, you know, the addition of Darius Leonard when they drafted him last year, he was defensive rookie of the year, and having him come back after he missed the last three games with a concussion made a whole lot of a difference. He had ten tackles. He had the game ceiling interception. Uh, they played absolutely amazing. They got you know on the pass rush, they were getting after Deshaun Watson all game long and it just really seemed like he couldn't go through his progressions and make all of his exact reads but another thing that I want to look into is Jacoby Brissett and how he played he definitely didn't look like a game uh, facilitator on Sunday he was 26 for 39 for 326 yards four touchdowns no interceptions Marlon Mack you know a guy that usually leads this Colts team over 100 yards and leads them to victory with time of possession didn't really have that great of a game 18 carries for 44 yards didn't do that much, but it was really Jacoby Brissett going out of his way and having probably one of the best games of his career against the Houston Texans. He's owned the Houston Texans. He's undefeated against them right now. So I got to hand it to Jacoby Brissett. If he can play like this, this Colts team can be elite. They can be a contender because of how much talent is on there, but it all files into his hands because if he doesn't play well, then I don't see this Colts team being contenders, but if he plays like that, then I gotta I gotta say it, dude. They they are for real. We discussed this Colts defense a little bit. Great stat here. This Colts defense has been completely shut down to big time rushers over the last two seasons. The Colts defense has not allowed a 100-yard rusher in 24 straight games now. That's a huge task against a Houston team that has Carlos Hyde, who ran for over 100 last week, Deshaun Watson, who we can know can make plays with his legs, and then also Duke Johnson back there, who we know can make plays. So that was an extremely difficult task for that Colts defense, and Frank Wright coming in this week is shutting down that high-powered Houston offense. They showed they could put up points against Kansas City. Who hasn't put up points against Kansas City? But nonetheless, Houston has had a great offense this year. Indianapolis shut them down. Another great stat here between these two teams. Houston has a streak of two games without a sack, and that was ended by the Colts. The Colts put pressure on Deshaun Watson, and that defense looked great out there. No, absolutely. And another thing was that the Houston Texans didn't really capitalize on the opportunities that were given to them. There was a couple times where the defense actually made a good stop against the Indianapolis Colts, and they couldn't capitalize and score, whether it was Deshaun Watson throwing two interceptions or turnovers on downs. Uh, I know that there was one turnover on downs where the Colts really just blasted through the line. Deshaun Watson didn't even get a second because as he was throwing, his own offensive linemen were blocking his own throwing motion, and they really couldn't get anything going. 
props to this Colts defense and their situational awareness and making sure they got it done when they need to because uh, when the Texans had opportunities to either take the lead in this game, they really stepped up and they really made a stand in order to keep Deshaun Watson in this prolific offense in check. But coming up next, guys, we are going to get into another big topic, which was the Saints and the Bears game. We thought it was going to be a great matchup there at Soldier Field, but Teddy Bridgewater does it again. We are going to get into that when we come back next. Saints headed to Soldier Field in Chicago this past Sunday. They played the Bears in a great game there. We thought that was going to be a little bit closer of a game. Now, I personally picked the New Orleans Saints to beat the Chicago Bears in part of my Warner wages last week, but nonetheless, they had an 11-point victory over the Bears, came out on top 36-25. to The Saints moved to 6-1. and That pushes the Bears back to 3-3. Three and three. Pretty interesting game out there. Another very efficient game from Teddy Bridgewater. Bears offense couldn't seem to get enough going to put up enough points on that Saints D that has looked so well. Now, what we're looking at here is a Saints team that is clearly a class team in the NFC. I know you had them pretty high on your rankings last week, Junie. What do you got to say about the Saints and that big win? I have nothing new to say about the Saints, honestly, just that they are a top-tier team in the NFC. I think they're the best team in the NFC purely because they have all the intangibles to win a Super Bowl. They are very, very, very well coached with Sean Payton there. The offense is great. Their defense is absolutely elite from top to bottom. Uh, You look at their pass rush, you look at their secondary, they are absolutely amazing on defense, and they are just really showing that uh, going up against some of the best offensive teams in the league thus far. And then you look at their offense, and you got Alvin Kamara. Even though he didn't play against Chicago this week, you still got one of the best running backs in the league. You got Michael Thomas, who is easily a top five receiver, which I have mentioned almost every single week on this show. And then Teddy Bridgewater, a shocking like result from Teddy Bridgewater. Who would have thought? that Teddy Bridgewater would go 5-0 and after Drew Brees went down with an injury. I mean, this just isn't something that you expect. I mean, looking at his stats, he was 23 of 38, 281 yards, two touchdowns, no picks this week against that great Chicago Bears defense that I have raved about personally. Uh, they didn't have their best game uh, yesterday. And you look at this Saints team, uh, Latavius Murray was in there for Alvin Kamara, and he ran all over the Chicago Bears, 27 carries, 119 yards, and two touchdowns. They controlled the time of possession. We talk about this all the time. When teams can establish the run, have a balanced offense with the pass and the running game, you really control the time of possession it was I think it was like 37 minutes uh, to 23 minutes and you're like I said you're not going to win games like that the Bears top rusher Tariq Cohen had three carries for 10 yards like you're just not going to get wins like that they couldn't stop Teddy Bridgewater and that offense and it just showed that the Saints are a very very good team especially when you can go into Soldier Field I know it's only October but still when you're a dome team all the way down in the south, and you go up to a northern team in Chicago like that, the Windy City, it's a great win, and against a great defense like that, they showed a lot going into Soldier Soldier Field there and getting a big win. 
Now let's talk about the Bears for a little bit because we know about the Saints. We know that the Saints are solid. We see that they're 6-1, and one, one of the best teams in the NFC. But the Bears, I know both of us had the Bears pretty high on our preseason predictions, you know, going pretty far in the playoffs and even maybe winning that division. But the Bears now dropped to 3-3. Three and three. They're in third place now in that NFC North, which is very tough. Lions still around there. You know, the Vikings have won two straight now. Packers, we know, are a really good team. Their offense has just not been right the whole season. In fact, the Bears' offense this past Sunday was 2 of 12 on third downs against the Saints. The Saints completely shut them down in that aspect of the game. They just couldn't capitalize on any of their turnovers, opportunities rather, and the Bears just did not look too good out there. And I got to say, I don't think they have any chance to win that division now. Definitely with the Vikings playing the way they are and the Packers, the class team that they are. So, I mean, at this point, do you think the Bears can even make the playoffs? I personally don't think the Bears are going to make the playoffs, which is a huge disappointment to me considering I had them going 12-4. and I had them in my NFC Championship game. I had them winning that division. I didn't think that Kirk Cousins was going to turn his you know season around, his career stint with the Vikings like he's been doing the last three weeks. I didn't think that the Green Bay Packers defense was going to be as elite as it is, and this Bears offense is really struggling, and it starts from Mitchell Trubisky. This coaching staff does not trust Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, he is just not making those deep throws. He can't uh, put the ball where it needs to be. They don't trust him with a full offense. I'm, I'm telling you, like when you don't have a quarterback like that, and especially if you don't have a running game, we talked about the quarterbacks that struggle without a running game, such as Jared Goff, but Mitchell Trubisky is the same way. If you can't get a running game established, it makes your offense one-dimensional, and that is exactly what the Saints did. They exposed the Bears. They couldn't get anything moving. The score didn't show how the game really was. I mean, what was it, 36-10 to 10 until they got that onside oh, kick yeah, on yeah. that onside kick late, and the only reason they had 10 points was because they returned a kick for a touchdown. This Saints defense absolutely dominated this Bears offense, and due to circumstances, the, the score of the game was a lot closer than what it actually was as a game but I tell you what yeah this Bears offense is really struggling and I feel bad for this defense because this defense is elite it is easily in my opinion a top five defense in this league but when you're asking a defense to hold opponents to under 20 points every single week this is the National Football League and and especially with new rules implemented defenses can't hold uh, opposing offenses to less than 20 points every single week it's just not going to happen and I think that this defense is getting worn out it's getting tired of trying to overcompensate for the lack of production that the Bears have on offense certainly Junie certainly and two two numbers here that just tell the story of the game for me New Orleans outpossession the Bears 37 minutes to 23 New Orleans had zero turnovers on the other hand look at the rushing game New Orleans had 151 yards rushing the Bears had 17 yards rushing you're not going to win any game if you have 17 yards rushing but now, from one elite NFC team to the next, let's move on to another game. The Green Bay Packers played the Oakland Raiders this past weekend, and the Green Bay Packers came out on top in that one, 42-24. They moved to 6-1 and one as well. Oakland drops to 3-3, three and three, and we certainly have talked about Green Bay being one of the best teams in the NFC, just like the Saints, and they proved that again this past Sunday, putting it on Oakland. Oakland just had no answers for that Green Bay offense. Aaron Rodgers 
fanatical game out there on Sunday. He looked awesome. Now, Junie, you mentioned you said the Saints are still better than the Packers, but the Packers got to be pretty close. I definitely think the Packers are really close. I never once said that it wasn't that close because I think the two of these teams are very similar. Uh, We had the discussion, I think it was yesterday, when we were talking about Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. I would personally take Drew Brees. I know that you would take Aaron Rodgers, and probably right now uh, I'd have to say that's the truth considering Drew Brees' injury. But, yes, no, this Packers uh, team is is right behind. New Orleans Saints, a little bit of inconsistencies there in Green Bay, but I gotta, I gotta hand it to Aaron Rodgers. That man had a game: twenty-five of thirty-one, four hundred and twenty-nine yards, five uh, passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. This had, this man had just as many touchdowns as he did incompletions on Sunday. And even though it's against the Raiders' defense, and the Raiders' defense is obviously not that good whatsoever. I mean, it's still really impressive when you have a perfect passer rating in the league against anybody, and I'm really impressed with this team. The defense didn't look as great as it usually has, but I mean, hey, this just kind of goes to show you how versatile of a team that Green Bay can be. It shows you that they can win on both sides of the ball, whether it's their defense carrying them and stopping opposing offenses or Aaron Rodgers in that prolific offense with Matt LaFleur and his system and company uh, lighting it up on teams just as they did against the Raiders, it really shows that they can be multidimensional, and I think that they are easily up there with the Saints as the top two teams in the NFC, like I've said in week prior. I know I said that the Packers were the best team in the NFC two weeks ago, and I think they definitely are still the best team in the NFC. The Packers are just so efficient. Matt LaFleur is just, he is he has shown what it takes to have a good coach in this league. You know, they had a lot of the same guys, maybe not on defense, on offense, though, and Mike McCarthy just couldn't get that offense to run efficiently as it should like it did this past Sunday. They had no turnovers again. They won the turnover battle 2-0. to zero. Packers just looked really good out there, and they will play the Kansas City Chiefs at Kansas City on Sunday Night Football this coming Sunday, which will be a great contest. See, I actually don't think it'll be a great contest considering that Patrick Mahomes uh, was injured on Thursday Night Football, you know, uh, well wishes to him. Hope he gets back out there because really it's it's kind of a disappointment because this is one of the games I had circled on the schedule as being one of the better games that was going to occur this season. And the fact that Mahomes isn't going to get to play against Aaron Rodgers, you know, that matchup's only going to happen once every four years. So we're going to have to wait another four years to see that happen. Uh, I think the Packers are going to blow them out uh, personally because of how weak that defense is. And Matt Moore just, <laughs> I mean, he's Matt Moore. You know, he's not he, – He's not going to do anything against this uh, elite Packers defense, but he might prove me wrong. But this is this this game did bring up a really cool conversation that I wanted to kind of get your feedback on, and that is the MVP race. Is like I feel like the MVP race in the NFL is all over the place. So do you think that Aaron Rodgers put himself in that MVP race after this week, after having kind of a little bit of a slow start of uh, to his standards on this season? He has to be in the MVP race because personally, you know, even though he hasn't put up eye-popping numbers until this week, he hasn't made any mistakes. He's done a great job managing his team. He's 6-1 and one on the season. Every time you're on a winning team, you're always going to be in the race if you at least have respectable numbers. And look at what Russell Wilson did this past Sunday. He by no means had a good game at all. So you can move him down a little bit, put Aaron Rodgers up there. Those two guys are on, on the top of my head, you know, two MVP candidates right now. You might have been able to say Patrick Mahomes before he got hurt, but he's hurt now. He's going to be out three weeks. Weeks, so take his name off the list. But I mean, as far as MVP candidates go, right now it's got to be Rodgers and Wilson, in my opinion. Well, I think that Rodgers definitely put his name into contention here for the MVP race after obviously having 
a career game against Oakland Raiders at home in Green Bay there. But if it, if I had to give my top three on MVP right now, it's still Russell Wilson. One game isn't going to take that away. Everybody has a slip-up day. Uh, and then number two, I'm putting Christian McCaffrey. That man is absolutely oh, – yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. most yards per scrimmage, I th- easily think that he's going to have 100 receptions on the season, might have 1,000 yards receiving and 1,000 yards rushing. He is on that pace. He is looking absolutely fantastic, and he's just not a name that people are talking about. The Panthers are just not a team people are talking about, but I got him at number two, Russell Wilson at number one, and then Rodgers you know, sliding in there at number three, especially with the Mahomes injury right now. It is now time for our favorite part of the podcast, our favorite part of Joe's on the Pros, where we will give you our rankings and our wages, the Riddle Rankings and the Warner Wages coming your way next. My favorite time of the podcast where I get to give you guys, the listeners, my top 10 NFL teams this week, and it is called the Riddle Rankings, guys. Let's get into it. Coming in at number 10, we have the Houston Texans. I was high on the Houston Texans last week after they beat the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead. But obviously, it's really hard for them to go into Arrowhead and then go straight into divisional rival Indianapolis, who they don't really match up with. The offensive line struggled to hold the talented Colts defensive front, and the secondary struggled against Frank Wright's offense and a great game by Jacoby Brissett. Um, They were really inconsistent. I said the key to this team being successful is for that offensive line and that secondary to step it up. They did not do that, and they lost by seven points this weekend to the Colts. Coming in at number nine, They had a bye week this week. It's the Carolina Panthers. I'm not going to take the Carolina Panthers off the riddle rankings just because they didn't have a game this week. Obviously, Luke Kuechly and company in that defense is elite. And then you got a great coach in Rivera. And then Josh Allen being the great facilitator that he's being. And you also have my MVP candidate, Christian McCaffrey, out there doing it all for that offense. They are going to be number nine because they are absolutely playing elite. And I'm really excited to see what they do uh, against the 49ers this upcoming week. Coming in at number eight, making their Riddle Rankings debut. Another team making the Riddle Rankings debut is the Indianapolis Colts. I am finally taking the Indianapolis Colts serious. Darius Leonard made a huge difference in this game, coming back after three games off from that concussion, like we mentioned earlier, getting that game-sealing interception and having 10 tackles on the day. Brissett looked a lot better. Obviously, he looked like he played at an elite level, and if he can keep playing, this Colts team with the talent that they have can keep moving up. Coming in at number seven, the Seahawks are falling back to earth. Uh, Russell Wilson finally had a game where he struggled, passing under 50%, and then also having his first interception on the season. This defense is not that good, and when this offense does not put out as much, then they are going to struggle, especially against a good running team such as the Baltimore Ravens, and that is what occurred. And speaking of the Baltimore Ravens, they are coming in at number six on the Riddle rankings. I don't think that they are absolutely elite yet, but they are playing good football right now. They are five and two. 
You know, Lamar Jackson didn't look that great in the passing game, and he is going to have to step that up. But his running capability and the way that he has been running the ball and the way that this offense has been moving is getting the job done. And that defense, getting Peters from the Rams, looked absolutely great and just another great addition to that Baltimore Ravens team. Coming in at number five, I am I am 100% on the Minnesota Vikings right now. Kirk Cousins is really proving all the haters wrong. He proved me wrong. He completed 24-34 of his passes, 337 yards, and four touchdowns again. Dalvin Cook also lit up the Detroit Lions as he had 25 carries, 142 yards, and two touchdowns. And even though Adam Thielen uh, got injured on that touchdown pass, hurting his hamstring, Stephon Diggs didn't miss a beat with seven receptions, 142 yards, leading that offense in receptions. Uh, That Minnesota team looks absolutely elite, especially on the offensive side. And we know from years past that that defense is still elite, guys, with Harrison Smith, Anthony Barr, and guys like that. Super elite. Then I got number four, the 49ers fall back one spot after a really sloppy game against the Washington Redskins. I don't really blame the 49ers because it was a monsoon in the capital this past weekend. It just, the rain was piling up all over the field. It was nasty. It was disgusting. They only won 9 nothing against the Redskins. I figured that they might be able to do a lot more uh, with Coleman and Burita in that running game, but, you know, they got the job done. They beat them. They're on to the next, and it's finally going to see them against a really really good competitor against the Carolina Panthers and we are just going to have to see what they do. Coming in at number three, the Packers are moving up in my rankings. Aaron Rodgers has put himself in the MVP race just like we discussed before the break. He had a perfect passer rating and that defense did struggle a little bit against the Oakland Raiders, but hey, they've been playing great all year and you know, one slip-up game is really not going to affect them as a team and like I said earlier, it's really showing how this Packers team is multi-dimensional because they can beat you in multiple ways. Coming in at number two, it is the same number two as weeks prior. It is still the New Orleans Saints. Make it 5-0 and for Teddy Bridgewater as he goes into Soldier Field in Chicago, one of the toughest places to play in the National Football League, especially with that elite defense that the Bears have. He absolutely torched that defense. They controlled the ball, time of possession, and they absolutely got the job done. I did not think that they would win in that fashion. I thought it was going to be a lot more of a low-scoring game because of how great both of these defenses are, but obviously Teddy Bridgewater had other things in mind. He absolutely lit it up. The run game with Latavius Murray lit it up, and that defense did its thing and locked that Bears offense down. Coming in at number one, they're still number one. They've been number one, and until they lose, it ain't going to change, guys. I hope it does. They won all aspects of the game on Monday night against the Jets. Sam Darnold looked absolutely abysmal against the New England defense, and I tell you what, they just look dominant. They pick out what you do good. They take take it away. They force you to do what you're not good at, and they expose some of these teams. I didn't think the Jets were going to win this game. I thought it would be a little bit more competitive than the last time they played, considering that Sam Darnold is finally back, but really it kind of showed some of his growing pains after he had a good game against Dallas the week prior, but this is a whole different team when you get Bill Belichick in this elite defense in New England, and they are going to stay number one until they finally lose a game, but you know, case it's coming up. They are finally going to start playing some of these competitors uh, starting probably the week after because they play the Browns this upcoming week, but we are going to see what's going to happen when they start playing some of these better teams uh, come November, and that is your Riddle Rankings. Now, before we move on to the Warner Wages, I got a comment 
There's no love for the Bills in that top 10, man. No, no love for my Bills. No love for the Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I'm putting the Kansas City Chiefs out because I know that they're going to lose against Green Bay this upcoming week. Matt Moore is not going to take them anywhere, and it's going to be a real struggle for them until Patrick Mahomes can come out. And I don't think that they're going to do anything without Mahomes because of how god-awful that defense is because they are absolutely terrible. And then the Buffalo Bills, they barely beat the Miami Dolphins. If you watch that game, Miami controlled that game for most of the game, and then Buffalo came out at the end. They got a couple turnovers, and then they returned that onside kick for a touchdown. They barely beat the Miami Dolphins. I don't believe in the Buffalo Bills. I still don't believe in the Buffalo Bills. Let them play up against a more prolific offense. They play against the very inconsistent Philadelphia Eagles. We both have the Bills winning that game just because the I mean the Eagles really don't have that playmaker right now that's really setting them apart. So no, I don't have the Buffalo Bills on here because they haven't proved anything to me yet. I think I might have the Bills in there over the Panthers if I were to make some rankings, but that is why they're the Riddle rankings, not the Warner rankings. But now let's move on to my segment, the Warner wages. I do have the Buffalo Bills in my wages, even though they're not in the Riddle rankings. But let's start with another game. Green Bay heads to Kansas City on Sunday night football this week. Green Bay is favored by four and a half. I'm going to give Green Bay those points. Matt Moore, quarterback for Kansas City, does not equate for good things to the Chiefs. I don't think he's going to be able to get that offense going as much playmakers as they do have. I don't think that they're going to be able to get anything going against that solid Green Bay D and that well-ran team by Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. Give me Green Bay by four and a half and probably a lot more. Next game, Arizona travels to New Orleans to the Superdome. New Orleans is favored by nine and a half. Arizona has won three straight, however, though, and Arizona has showed they are a force to be reckoned with and maybe even a playoff contender winning three straight games. Cliff Kingsbury has those guys playing good ball. Kyler Murray has held his own in his rookie year. I think Arizona is going to come within nine and a half points in that one. So I will give the points there to Arizona. Arizona is going to battle New Orleans in a tough one. I think that'll be a good game. So give Arizona that nine and a half points right there. Next one. Here's my Buffalo Bills right here. Philadelphia traveling to Buffalo. Buffalo is favored by one and a half. I'm going to take those points for Buffalo. I think Buffalo is going to dismantle Philadelphia. They're going to shut down Carson Wentz in that offense that's had some issues this year. Give me Buffalo in that one by one and a half. They're going to move to six and one, man. They're going to have to be in that top ten next week if they beat Philadelphia. Look good in that one. I think they're going to look good and beat Philadelphia. Moving on to the last game, though, in the Warner Wages. Might be a little biased pick, but who isn't going to beat the crap out of Cincinnati now? Come on. L.A. Rams are favored by 13 in London against Cincinnati. I think L.A. is just going to keep going back on track. They're going to beat Cincinnati by at least two touchdowns, and Cincinnati is just totally a bad team, complete garbage. Because why? Because why, Junior? Why, why, why are they garbage? Because Andy Dalton is a bona fide super scrub and he sucks. The Bengals sucks. The city of Cincinnati sucks. And so do all their sports teams. Goodness, man. Goodness. No love for Cincinnati at all there. No love on my part, though, either. Rams are going to beat them by at least two touchdowns in London. That's not going to be a close game at all. And that is my Warner Wages for this week. Junie, do you have anything to say about those wages you might disagree with? Now, see, I actually agree with all of your wages, actually, if I had to bet, which I'm not a you know I'm not a gambling kind of guy, but I would take 
all of those. The only ones that I have a little bit of suspicion about and that are a little bit iffy for me is the Buffalo Bills and the Philadelphia Eagles because of just how consistent that Eagles offense can be. Some weeks they can light it up like when they went to Green Bay and won, um, and then some weeks they can be down, obviously, like they played in Dallas this past week, absolutely not putting up any sort of effort on offense there, only putting up 10 points. I mean, it's iffy. It could go either way, but if I had to pick, I'd probably pick the Buffalo Bills. And then we look at that game, Arizona in New Orleans. It's in New Orleans. I mean... That's going to be a tough one to pick. Arizona is a hot team right now. They've been playing better than expected the last three weeks. They are on that little bit of a run, but that Saints defense is elite, and especially when you're going up against a rookie quarterback like that and an inexperienced coach, um, that's going to be a close one. If I had to pick, I would probably go with you and say that Arizona will put up a little bit of a fight, but that might potentially be a blowout on New Orleans' part because of how elite that defense is and probably can shut down Kyler Murray. There you have it. That is the Riddle Rankings and the Warner Wages for this week in the NFL. Stay tuned to us, y'all. We love making these episodes. We are now seven episodes in. Hard to believe. We love doing it. We love putting this stuff out for y'all every week. This week's episode is going to turn out to about 33-ish minutes. So give us your time, man. You're on your way to work. Anything. Just give us a short 30-minute listen. Tell us what you think. Keep it to Joe's on the pros. And then follow us on Twitter, man. We keep posting stuff on Twitter. We want your input. We want you all to tweet us. We want you to tell us what you think about the podcast, what you want to hear us talk about, you know. And so follow us there at Joe's on the pros, and we will keep you updated. But we will be back next week. A lot of great matchups this weekend, and we will give you all things NFL starting next week. Stick with us here on the Joe's on the pros podcast.